But what's also great about EMDR is that it's not talk therapy. So some people who have had like really complex trauma and don't want to talk about it, like right. sexual abuse or parents who have died or a lot of things that people just don't want to talk about, it gives us a great opportunity because there really isn't a lot of talking. It's very feminine. You're just literally telling what your brain, what comes up in each past. That's all you're doing. So it allows your brain to kind of do the processing for you and you can sort of feel the emotions, work through them, let your body and your mind work through the emotions without having to sit in a conversation about it. Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. My name is Amy Adams. I'm the host and the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, I interview Shelby John. Shelby is a licensed social worker. She's also a health and wellness coach, and she uses EMDR, amongst other uh, modalities, to help women with anxiety and to deal with past issues. We also discuss holistic living and much, much more. So stay tuned. So there's a lot to dig into, but before we get started, I do want to ask you to visit the website and have a look at our new magazine, Mindful Soul Center. We're so excited. There's lots of regular features. There's a premiere issue out now, and our next issue is landing on the 26th of November. Check that out. That's the Mindful Soul Center now let's get started. I asked Shelby to tell us a little bit about how she got started in this field. I am a licensed clinical social worker here in the state of Maryland, and I have been um, practicing for, I think, about almost 20 years now um, in a variety of different ways. I started out in the Department of Social Services here in our county working with foster care youth who were trying to transition out of foster care so the older youth kind of helping them plan for their lives and their futures did a lot of programming around that and then I was home for six years raising my kids I have three children they're 15 14 and 11 and then I went back and started my own private practice my company holistic living about five or six years ago and um, kind of morphed that into a whole bunch of stuff that started out as one thing and then I guess like often happens has sort of changed into something else completely which is amazing and I, I love it so now I have a private practice a small private practice in my home which is so ideal I get to practice in my basement see my clients and I specialize in health and wellness and I also do EMDR which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing trauma therapy you also have an online course that's incredible about healing anxiety naturally so I'm super passionate about all those things I love helping women I love watching people transform their lives Shelby was very patient and answered so many questions for me and I was so fascinated by all of it for so much information to make it more digestible I've created two episodes from our interview, and this part of the podcast really focuses on anxiety and EMDR. The shorter episode discusses 
things that we put in and on our bodies and clean living and how they impact our health. Do you think that anxiety amongst people in general has increased because of kind of this overwhelm too of like big issues that we face and a feeling of helplessness? Or do you think it comes from somewhere else? Or what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a big question. I think that the rates of anxiety, I mean, you can look at the research and they've definitely increased. And partly sometimes I think that you have to be real careful I think it's increased. I think there's no, no doubt that the anxiety levels of people, particularly young people in our in our country, have increased. Although sometimes you have to look back and think, will did it exist and we just didn't call it that, or we didn't really recognize it? Yeah, I think that's also true. I mean, I, I, that's true in my own story too. I think that we live in an anxious world. I think that there's a lot of uncertainty. We have a ton of media and access to information that was not accessible to me when I was a young child. Um, that maybe part of it. I think that, you know, I said to somebody, you know, we took our kids to Disney World, just as an example, probably, I don't know, three years ago, they were big enough. I mean, I think my youngest was five or six. And I, I remember thinking, well, no wonder kids are anxious. Like, these rides are scary. You know, like, we were on a ride and this monster came out. Like, this monster was there. And you're like, well, I mean, I'm thinking, like, people think they're little kids on this. You know, like, okay, this is kind of scary. So, I mean, I think that there's I don't know. I don't know the reason. I just know that I see it a lot. I see it a ton. That's primarily what I work with in my practice. I've dealt with it with my own children. And I think it's probably many factors. I think the food situation is a huge. We cannot discount that. We cannot just dismiss that as not being a factor in mental health. It is a factor. Our toxic load is incredible. Our, our inactivity is, is, is high. And people often want to use pharmaceuticals or even over-the-counter things even you know like my oldest takes sometimes she takes allergy medicines and even that i think like well gosh these antihistamines on a regular basis possibly could be i mean they're still foreign objects you're putting in your body although they're safe you know it's still something that doesn't really belong there and so all of these little factors build up issues in our bodies and create create anxiety and mood disorders and other mental health issues so it's, it's a variety of factors i i don't really know anything i mean other than a very brief Thing, like you know reading a tiny tiny bit about EMDR therapy and I would love for you to talk about that and tell people what that is because it seems so intriguing and interesting and um, I, it's not really as commonly known I would I would think as even like acupuncture or chiropractic medicine or those kinds of things those are in the mainstream now and uh, EMDR this sounds like really you know and I know it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing right correct stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, or EMDR is the acronym. It was founded back in 1984 by a woman named Francine Shapiro, kind of by accident, the story goes anyway, that she was kind of walking in the park thinking about the disturbing things in her life or whatever was going on with her. And I guess she was looking back and forth in some way. I'm not sure. She was a social worker and a researcher. And she discovered that she started to feel a little bit better. And so she sort of noticed that and was like, what's going on with this um, relationship between my eye movement and my now my, my calmness or feeling better? So she began to research that. And they studied it based on the concept of REM sleep, you know, how your eyes sort of move a little bit while you're sleeping. And they call that kind of cleansing the brain, that time period of REM sleep. Sometimes day residue and things that are going on, it's an opportunity for your brain to sort of feel that. So they researched it based on that philosophy and came up with this technique to heal the trauma that has affected our brain. So when we have traumatic experience, trauma is a relative word, right? So we have capital T trauma, like uh, first responders, war veterans, um, major big events that happen. 
And then we have lowercase t traumas, which are the everyday things. The seeing the accident on the side of the road, you know, the watching the news, divorce, your kid is having an issue, issues with your employer, or some a teacher who called you out in front of the class that said, you know, man, you really messed up on this test. Those are all still traumatic and it's all very relative to you personally. So what you may have experienced in your life that seems really difficult for you, I might be like, well, gee, I went through that, no big deal. So everybody's kind of makeup and personality and history dictates how their how those experiences are going to come into their brains and then how your brain is going to then process through them. And about 70% of the time, our brains take care of it all for us. We go through life, we see things, we feel things, we experience them, and we process them just fine. About 30% of the time, they do not get processed properly. And those memories get stored in that back part of our brain, or the hippocampus, which is the sort of a reptilian uh, irrational part of our brain and they get stored there and not processed properly with negative beliefs about ourselves like i'm not good enough i'm not smart enough i'm not safe i should have done more i'm a failure and then they get stuck so those things then stay there and then they get threaded throughout the rest of our life they affect our relationships and our work and our self-image all of those when we get those repro- those memories that are sort of stuck they're in that they're in that irrational state of the mind so then we, what emdr does is sort of allow you to create those target experiences and then when we, when we do the actual therapy, we like set it all up. And then through the technique, it gets brought to the front part of your brain, which is much more rational, that prefrontal cortex, and can reprocess them and restore those memories with positive beliefs about yourself. So it's so almost like, like the kind of like our reactionary brain versus our responsive, like higher conscious. Like, I mean, really, the front is more like being more conscious, right? So. Right. Right, and just more able to like logic and sort of think things through, and you know, you, like that difference between your head and your heart. Like sometimes we know things in our head, like we know we're safe. You know, we check the locks. Our home is safe. We live in a safe neighborhood, but we don't feel safe. So we don't feel like so that stuff comes in. That irrational um, stuff comes in and makes us anxious and fearful. When really, in reality, is we're fine. So it's that. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. If I were to come to you though, and I had, because um, like recently I actually did have my very first anxiety experience. I recognized it only because I've learned so much about anxiety over the last few years. I, I probably would have thought I was having a heart attack or something. Oh gosh. Because uh, I knew that I was safe, like where I was in the situation, and um, everything was fine. I was supported by people, but I still. Uh, I guess it was my reptilian brain was just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> so right. it was really interesting, but I mean, I was able to overcome it pretty quickly because I did have other women with me who were very supportive and you know, I was kind of struggling with it. But, uh, and, and I think also because I recognized it instead of thinking that I was sick and had a heart attack, you know what I mean? I think that also had something to do with it. Cause I know a, a few people that I, people that I know for a long time have had some anxiety and, originally thought they were having heart attacks right right and anxiety can be very scary and if it's new to you i mean even if it is even if you're familiar with it it's still scary the problem with anxiety is it's a condition that breeds itself so our brain our brains don't know the difference between real fear and imagined fear it just Mm -hmm. knows fear so then it goes into that sort of um reptilian like fight or flight it's like okay I'm afraid I, this is going on, so I need to run, right? Like that old stuff, that running from the lion thing. Right. But a lot of times our fear is very imagined. You know you're fine, but your brain is, you're, you're having those negative thoughts and those fear thoughts, and so then your brain starts to activate with an anxiety response. Right. And when that happens, then our body starts to activate with an anxiety response. When our body activates, then we start getting the chest tightening, the sweaty palms, the heavy breathing. Then our brain is like, 
okay, wow, we're having, you know, we have we're having a response, and it just creates more anxiety because then you're like, why is my body doing this? You know, I, I, you know, and so it just it's a cycle that continues to manifest, that, and that's why people have panic attacks. If you don't cut into it, and this is what I teach my women all the time, this is what my whole course is about, is like when you don't get in there in the beginning to sort of put a spoke in the wheel, I usually say, then that's when you sort of cross over into the panic attack. But it is very scary. It can feel very, it can, and, it, and everybody is a little bit different. And then young people can experience things a little bit differently than adults do. And some people, it's all internal. They're like holding it all in. Some people, I have a client, a young girl client who becomes ill. She's vomiting in the morning. It's, it's different for everybody. How do you, uh, I don't well, really. I, do, you know. I come to you and I have a problem. What what happens? <laughs> so when you call me, I, I traditionally oh, I don't do talk, talk therapy. Like I don't. I can um, do, I can do talk therapy. Of course, I'm a clinician. I can. I have good clinical skills. I can support you and validate you. And I don't. But I I advertise myself and I sell myself as an EMDR therapist because okay. I know how powerful it is and I know how I know that it works. So when you call me, when I get a call from a new client. And they say, I want to make an appointment. I say, okay, this is you know great. And I explain exactly what I said to you in my introduction. I specialize in health and wellness. And I also do EMDR therapy. This is what it is. This is how it works. And this is why I do it. Because it's so powerful. It's much more effective than talk therapy. So I'm already from the very beginning saying, like, this is what we're going to do. Okay. Um, if they don't want that, that's certainly fine. Um, I might say you might want to you know find somebody else who's going to give you a little bit different kind of support or be eased into it. And um, most people are pretty bad. Either some people are calling specifically because they want to be art therapy because they've heard about it, right. or they're right away fascinated, like, oh, well, that sounds interesting. Or they're like, I'll try anything. I've already done all the stuff. I, I want something new. Um, and of course, I support people if you're in, you know, when we ease into it, if you're nervous, then we have positive things that we can do. We can use EMDR in a very positive way to sort of keep up our you know, positive experiences and, and sort of really build up a, a steam kind of and make people feel comfortable and confident to go into the process if that's okay. needed. Um, we can do a lot of resourcing. So there's ways to ease into it. I generally, I don't have a lot of problems with that. People are usually excited about it. Um, then they get results rather quickly. And so then they're like, oh, okay, um, this is great. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like, okay, obviously you're dealing with emotional trauma. <laughs> so work, working through it is, it's a little painful sometimes, but there's but you're quickly getting to the end within like two sessions, you know, two or three. And so if I usually I tell people that I'm your guide, I'm here to support you. We, we always close things down appropriately. We shut things down at the end of the session with a guided meditation and right. a little container, safe place exercise to shut everything down so that you're not leaving all you know exposed and all. So this is how it works. So I take a pretty detailed psychosocial history. Like it takes at least one session, sometimes two. It goes through your entire life, all of the areas. And we get a really detailed history. Because I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. And I don't know what... Sometimes people in a, in a regular history don't even remember some of their stuff. So when I start digging into like sexual health, you know, your educational experience, what was that like? You know, have you ever been in trouble? You know, whatever, all of the things. What were your parents like? What was your family? And you start getting all the stuff, people are like, oh gosh, yeah, like I didn't realize I had all of this stuff. And then so you take this detailed history and then there the protocol to do EMDR is to create a list of those disturbing events. That's the language we use, disturbing events. So we we are looking for eight to ten things. So I always say to them, you go back in your mind as far back in, in your mind as you can remember, as far back. And come forward, like kind of play your life like a movie. And you're looking for those things throughout your life. So I chunk it down into time, like elementary school, middle, high school, college, like your marriage. Like you just phase it out so you can sort of remember what was going on. And you're looking for those things that really stand out to you, like those memories or incidents, like maybe you had a bully, or like I said, maybe there was a teacher, or maybe your dad made a comment to you that really stuck with you and you still remember it. 
but maybe you had an accident or there's a house fire. Maybe there was just not a whole bunch of stuff. Like my teenagers, sometimes there's not a whole lot of stuff, but the stuff they have is really significant for them okay. in their lives. So you look for those things. Um, the scaling that happens with those disturbing events is, is zero to 10. Zero is no disturbance at all. 10 is the worst ever. So mm-hmm. each incident we scale on that scale, and we're looking for things to be on that list that are five and above. So that's their homework. So they come up with that list, they come back in, and then that becomes our treatment plan. That's what we work from. Like you just stick with one thing until you're until it's resolved. And it usually takes, like I said, two to three sessions, sometimes longer, depending on the person. Um, and then you just go to the next thing. Okay. Um, and generally speaking, you're going to get a bunch of relief right away because the negative beliefs that are attached to each one of those things is probably the biggest ones. Like, well, I never felt like I was good enough or I'm just a failure. I'm always a failure. Um, so you're going to tackle those things that have those negative beliefs. And then all of a sudden your brain is going to be healing mm-hmm. and then the feelings are going to be decreased and it's going to affect everything else in a positive way. Right. Right. So, like the ripple effect. I love the ripple Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen all kinds. I mean, I've worked with people who have isolated, into, like very specific incidents. Because um, sometimes people come in and don't have any trauma. I'm like, well, that's not true. Because <laughs> if you're a human being, like you've had something. Like I said, even if you've had a picture perfect life, there's been even if it's an even if it's an imagined feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have no like, if your if your perspective is that you're not good enough, or that you're ugly, or that you're fat, or you're a failure, or you're you just, you're not safe, then that's internal. Even if everything in your world told you differently, right. you're living with that for some reason or something happened, something went on. It might, might not be this big capital T thing. So it looks a little bit different for everybody, but it's such a powerful experience. It, de- it definitely destimulates people very quickly. Of course, we talk about it. I usually debrief a little bit, but what's also great about EMDR is that it's not talk therapy. So some people who have had like really complex trauma and don't want to talk about it, like right. sexual abuse or parents who have died or a lot of things that people just don't want to talk about it gives us a great opportunity because there really isn't a lot of talking it's very minimal you're just literally telling what your brain what comes up in each cast that's all you're doing so it allows your brain to kind of do the processing for you and you can sort of feel the emotions work through them let your body and your mind work through the emotions without having to sit in a conversation about it well, that can be very, which can be very helpful for some people. Can you just mention your website for everyone so that they know how to find you? Like, is, and if you are on Instagram. Sure. Uh, my website's just www.shelbyjohn.com. And my blog is also attached to that website. So you can check it out. Um, I'm on Instagram at Holistic Living Therapy. And I'm on Facebook at Holistic Living Coaching. And I have a private Facebook group that's called Heal Anxiety Naturally. So you can join that group and get get supported by other women who are struggling with anxiety and who are interested in other ways of dealing with it versus what medical the medical world has to offer. If you want to get in touch with um, Shelby, you can find her at all of those things that she just mentioned, but I will be putting in the show notes all of the details so that you'll be able to have the links. So anyone who's listening, you'll be able to just click on the show notes and, and you'll be able to find her in case you didn't have a pen while you're listening. So, so I would love if you have um, a recommendation that you might make. I'm super passionate about Rachel Hollis. She's an author and her book her first book was called Girl Wash Your Face mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal. It definitely it did, I think it changed my life. I mean I, I think it, it hit me at a good time. Um, she just basically goes through all the lies that she told herself throughout her life mm-hmm. and each chapter is a different lie and then basically how she worked through it. And I thought it was just really well done that way because I, I an extremely relatable. Yeah. Um, 
The other person who I love right now is Emily P. Freeman. She wrote a book called Next Right Thing. And she has a blog, called, I mean, a um, podcast called Next Right Thing. And she's fabulous. Her blogs or her podcasts are rather short. They're 15-ish minutes or maybe a little longer. And she just tackles one little concept about like basically staying in your moment and doing the next thing. Like kind of um, a lot around anxiety. She doesn't necessarily call it that per se, but it really is. And her voice is very nice. And uh-huh. um, it's really refreshing. So I think that's a very positive, sort of uplifting, go-to resource. Um, those two women, I think, are, are really fabulous. I love them both. Great. I, I I don't I haven't heard of the second person that you mentioned. I'm going to look her up, but I did read the uh, girl wash your face, and I loved it because I like that it was just very personable too and relatable because it's just we all have these things, and I think um, luckily you know with the internet and uh, the way things are you know all the media and access we have to it. I mean non traditional media, we were able to. Um, share experiences in a different way that we weren't, you know, we don't always have to feel alone about some things too. Exactly. Learn from one another. Shelby shared international directory of the EMDR association called EMDRIA. E-M-D-R-I-A dot uh, net or org. EMDRIA is the big uh, international organization that um, kind of houses EMDR and start, just does all the training. If you go on their website, you can search in your area for an EMDR therapist. Oh, very cool. We can, what is the name of your upcoming course? Uh, my upcoming course is called Heal Your Anxiety Naturally from Chaos to Calm. And it's a four-week live course. Um, where I'll teach a different module each week with Q&A after it and um, there's three bonuses as well. It's pretty exciting. I'm super passionate about it. I'm really excited. I know that um, a lot of people are going to learn a ton of stuff and be able to heal and continue on with their healing journey. It's sort of just one jumping off place to get some really good clinical skills and then dive in a little bit deeper. In my Instagram bio, there's a links tree there with several links where people can follow me. Um, you can get to my website from there. There's also a free guide there with five steps to using your anxiety naturally. It's sort of like the first step in your journey. It's just a free download. It's really nice. Um, you can get that in my Instagram bio link. Um, and I think uh, anything else that's related to the courses and the dates and all will be there as well as on social media should be hard to find. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate yeah. your time and teaching us about EMDR and what you do. And I wish you a lot of success with your course and all of this. I, I love that, you know, you're living this life and helping other people. It's really great. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of the podcast. And please look for part two, where we talk about various foods and products that affect our hormones and our health. Uh, If you'd like to contact us, please send me an email to hello at themindfulsoulcenter.com or to amy at themindfulsoulcenter.com. I'd love to hear from you. And please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. It will help other people 
to uh, find out about this podcast as well. Thank you so much. Until next time. Oh, 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 oh,